Welcome to Grounds for Discussion, a book club podcast for the average Joe. Welcome to Grounds for Discussion podcast. I'm Becky. And I'm Laura. And this week we are discussing the book Magpie Murders by Anthony Horowitz. So before we start talking about the book, we wanted to let you all know something exciting, some exciting news. <laughs> Laura and I have, well, really, Laura's husband <laughs> has, yeah, let's be right, <laughs> has started a website for us. So you can go check out our latest books, get links to purchase books for upcoming podcasts, shoot us an email if you have any questions, or if you want to give us some recommendations about future books. And you can even get the recipes to all the different desserts that we make each week. So go to groundsfordiscounts.com. It's all one word. And check it out because it's pretty cool. I was impressed when I saw it, Laura. I was like, I texted yeah. Ben right away and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Dude has I was, skills, I will yeah, say. Yeah, he yeah. totally does. <laughs> so that's for sure something that you guys will want to check out. So. It's groundsfordiscussionpodcast.com. All right. So our talk today, we made um, honey cake, which is actually a Greek dessert. And it might kind of seem like a weird choice, but this was the only type of food that they mentioned in the book that we could find. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) we thought rather than like, doing a super obvious traditional English dessert, we'd kind of go with something different. Um, yeah. So Laura, did you, are you eating the dessert right now? You know, I'm not eating it at the moment. Um, and I'll tell you why. And it's kind of a long story. Um, so I went to, okay, yesterday I realized I don't, have very much honey in the house and this is a honey cake yeah I'm like okay I need to go to the store and so I went to the store and it's quarantine so of course I you know I bought everything under the sun because I didn't want to have to go again soon right and I got back to the house and what was the one thing I didn't buy (gasps) honey are you serious yeah I'm serious (laughs) (laughs) but it it ended up being okay because (laughs) after I made the cake and we tried it it was good, but it it made all of us so tired. Oh. <laughs> so I think if I had added any more sweetness to that cake, yeah. it would have been a disaster. Yeah, that's actually one thing I was going to say, that it is so sweet. Like, if I made it again, I would not put in the sugar. Because for the syrup on top, you're supposed to put honey and yeah. sugar. And so I did it, you know, according to the directions and it's like sickly sweet, but I love it. It's so good. (laughs) I actually feel like if I put in the full amount, cause I use, I just use the the honey and then what, you know, the honey that I had, which was not much, I mean like maybe a tablespoon or something. It wasn't. And then the sugar and the cinnamon stick that it calls for. And oh my goodness, it was plenty sweet. If I had added any more, I'm not sure I could have eaten it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I did like that it was really, um, I'm sorry, I have to use the word, moist. It was, (laughs) you know, because of the syrup on top, it was really 
it was very, you know, that word. So (laughs) I did like that. (laughs) Keep it from drying out. Yeah, that is true. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And And what are you drinking? What am I drinking? Oh, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, that's all right. I was just going to say that um, my kids actually really liked it. Um, So, you know, there's that. Yeah, we all really liked it, Mm -hmm. but we definitely, we had to take a walk after because we were all weird. (laughs) That's funny. Well, I'm drinking my um, favorite um, cowboy coffee that is, well, I made it cowboy coffee style, but it's um, uh, San Francisco Bay. And then I did a little concoction because I wanted something a little bit different. So, you know, that instant um coffee stuff that people are the whipped coffee yes. that people are doing right now yes I did that but I adjusted it a little bit to my liking so I did a little bit less instant coffee and um two scoops of Truvia sugar instead okay. and then I did you know the warm water and then I added <laughs> I added some heavy whipping cream and it's like a cool whip consistency. And I just put that on top of my coffee. And nice. it's really good. Really good. Nice. Yeah. So I would highly recommend that as making it just like a topping for your coffee. It's very good. I need to try that. Mm-hmm. I haven't varied it much because I thought it would mess with the the ratios. Yeah. The times that I've tried to vary it, it didn't work because I yeah. it really didn't need that specific ratio. So I haven't had good luck with it, but maybe if I try that. Well, I will say when I tried to whip it, it wouldn't whip up until I put the heavy whipping cream in. Oh, okay. So, but I was kind of expecting that and, yeah, you know, so it was good though. It's very good. Well, I'm doing a variation on a normal one for me. I have French press, Pete's coffee, but it's over ice. And then I do a little bit of um, salted caramel, um, like whipped cream, like whip it up really low and then pour that on top. And then at first it's really sweet, but it sort of seeps into the the rest of it and, you know, slowly seeps in. So it's, it's, it's yummy. Is that based off of a Starbucks drink? It, it is based on okay. a drink. It's stuff the um, the cold brew with salted caramel cold foam. Yes, that is it's kind of my own version of yeah, it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite drinks there. It's so expensive, oh. but I love it. You know, it's so delicious. Yeah, I especially love the pumpkin one in the fall because they do like a pumpkin foam. Ooh, I got to try that it's one. It's really good. Yeah. So anyway, if you want the recipe to the honey cake minus the honey or with the honey (laughs) you can (laughs) check out our website um and the recipe will be there so yeah yeah go ahead and check it out so this book i think we should probably dive in Mm -hmm. here so we've talked about our coffee yep sorry about that (laughs) we really do love our um (laughs) so this book is a bit of a unique book in in its format um it's basically a book within a book Mm -hmm. and specifically like a whodunit within a whodunit so we've kind of divided it into sort of two sections there's kind of the for lack of a better term the quote-unquote real story Mm -hmm. and then the quote-unquote 
manuscript mm-hmm. story. And I'm going to talk about some of the characters. And so in your quote unquote real story, um, you have Susan Ryland, mm-hmm. who is, um, she's kind of the narrator of the, the real life story. She's a publisher at a small firm in London. And then you have Charles Clover. He is the founder and head of the company, Cloverleaf Books and, and Susan's mm-hmm. boss. And then you have Andreas, who is Susan's boyfriend, and he's from Crete, Greece, which is where the, in, in case you haven't read the book, that's where the Greek king mm-hmm. comes in. So uh, then there's Alan Conway. He is the author of a series of detective books. Um, and then you have Melissa Conway, who is Alan's ex-wife. You have James Fraser, who is Alan's boyfriend. And then you have Donald Lee, who's a waiter and wannabe author. You have Claire Jenkins, and that's Alan's sister. And then there's also the Reverend Robeson, who is a childhood acquaintance of Alan's from school. And I'm really just naming a very basic list. There's actually quite a few Mm -hmm. characters in both quote unquote books, but I'm just going to call it there. Those are yeah. kind of your main characters yeah. in the real life. But would you say that's yes. a good, <laughs> good call there because it really it has a, a, a ton lot. of characters. Yeah. But those are the main yeah. ones. Yeah. I think you got yeah. everybody. Okay, good. And then for the manuscript characters, um, these are your fictional characters here. Obviously they're all fictional, but you know, um, uh, right. <laughs> so the main <laughs> yeah. So the manuscript characters, um, you have Mary Blackiston. She is a busybody housekeeper. Uh, and then you have Sir Magnus Pye, who, of course, is the lord of the manor. And then you have Lady Pye, his wife. Um, then there is Clarissa Pye, who is Sir Magnus's twin sister. And then there's the Reverend Robin Osborne and his wife, Henrietta. So that's the local vicar and his wife. And you've got Dr. Amelia Redwing, who is the local doctor, and her husband, Arthur Redwing, who is um, an architect and, and an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, am I missing anybody? Let's see. There's, there might be a couple more. Um, hmm. Oh, there's Robert Blackstone. Oh, yeah. Mary's son. Yep. And then there's Joyce Sanderling, who is the fiance of Robert Blackiston. And then, of course, um, there's Atticus Pound or Pound or I like to say I like to say Pound because it's fun. Okay, it's fun. (laughs) I don't know how to say his name. So it's supposed to be a German name. He's a German-born detective. And there's an umlaut above the U, and I have no idea how to pronounce umlaut. I I have no idea either. Yeah. Does anyone know how to pronounce the umlau over a U? Yeah. If so, let us. We did not but... do our research on that one. So he is... <laughs> don't know. So that is the detective in mm-hmm. the manuscript story. So and and it goes on and on. There are yeah. a bunch more. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of the main ones. So, um, I'll do a little summary of it, but um, just so that you guys know. The, like we have said, very detailed, but we're going to discuss some major spoilers just as a heads up. So if you haven't read the book yet, you don't want to know what happened, you might want to stop here and come back later. But we're going to dive into a lot yes. of the clues 
So here is your warning if you, you know, don't want to to know what's going on. Yes. And generally speaking, I mean, we we are hoping that people will actually read the book. So generally speaking, we're not really right. spoiler for right. unfortunately. Well, our <laughs> hope was that, you know, with announcing the book at the end of the podcast for the next one, we would give people time to read the book, essentially, you know, two weeks so that yes. you can listen to it with us. If you choose to do it a different way, who cares? That doesn't matter. We don't care. But we're, yeah, we like to go into detail, so. (laughs) Yes. And moving forward, we'll be able to announce more a little further along as well because of the website that we So should you choose to choose which ones you want to read, that's perfectly fine with us. You can look forward to to those Mm -hmm. and and read those. Yeah. So if you just go to the website, see the upcoming ones, which are already there, you're like, ooh, that sounds good. Then, you know. You can click on that. So I'm going to do a little summary for everybody. So like Laura said, Magpie Murders um, is a book within a book. So it starts off with Susan, who's the editor at the small book publishing company. And she reads this manuscript called Magpie Murders. And it's written by a man named Alan Conway. So Alan has written a lot of murder mysteries and his main detective character is always a man named Atticus Pund, Pund, however you want to say it. So the manuscript is set in 1955 in a small English village and um, the residents there are getting ready for a funeral for a woman named Mary. Mary Blackston. Is that how you say her last name? Blackston. Okay. Yeah. So, so she was a longtime housekeeper at Pie Hall, and she supposedly tripped over an electrical cord and fell down a set of stairs. So it kind of seems like a clear cut case, like an accidental death. But you find out that there's a lot of um, like tight knit circle of characters. So all of them kind of had a motive to murder her. So another death follows soon after Mary's. Um, and then that's when Atticus Pund, the famous detective, comes onto the scene. So the manuscript moves along and the story ends really abruptly. And its final chapter in the manuscript is missing. And it ends right as Susan's about to read um, who actually murdered Mary and Pie Hall's owner, Magnus Pie. So... The narrative returns at that point to the editor, Susan, who's left hanging and she's like really frustrated about the lack of a resolution. So the next day she gets news that Alan Conway, the writer of the manuscript, um, has actually taken his own life over the weekend, which means that Susan's left to solve the mystery of the missing chapter. So, right before he died, Conway sent a letter, which um, is, I guess people took that as proof of his suicide. Um, But you find out that Alan Conway had actually been murdered. So um, the big question is, who done it, right? (laughs) So, uh, Laura, 
um, did you find yourself preferring one storyline over the other, like the storyline of Susan where she's trying to find the last chapter or the story within the story, the manuscript? Yeah, I I did. I actually, um, I kind of preferred the real, quote unquote, real storyline better than. And why? Why? I guess to me, it just felt maybe Mm. a little more realistic. Um, And also, I think part of the reason that is, is because you have the narrator's Mm -hmm. perspective. So you're kind of seeing what she's thinking through and why she thinks these certain things or why she thinks that um, a certain person would have had a motive or that kind of thing. Um, Whereas the manuscript, you know, you have Atticus, but it's, it's not as much of a narrative, you know, he's, he's not really a narrator exactly. It's, you know, um, you can, you can tell what he's thinking because he talks about it, but they, it doesn't really give away a lot. And for another reason, I felt like the manuscript was um, just a little less believable. It felt okay. almost too sterile. Like there wasn't a lot of um, things setting out apart from just this is your basic English countryside yeah. manner okay. whodunit story. Yeah. It sort of had that feel to me. I, I feel in a way like it almost was supposed to because... Um, I think you're probably right. Like I think you're probably I, right. I watched an interview of um, Anthony Horowitz, the author, and he definitely gave a nod to you know Agatha Christie and her her um, you know writings, right. and so I think he probably kind of tuned into that and was trying to make it feel that way. So that's interesting that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes sense. That would make sense. I wonder if he didn't, he almost didn't want to give away any of who Alan was through yeah. his writing, maybe. Um, because they were going to explore who Alan was in the right. quote, real part of the story. Um, I don't know. But did you have a preference? Yeah, for I did. This is kind of funny. I actually liked the manuscript better. I yeah I felt like really? the characters okay. were a little bit more intriguing and the mystery was more engaging for me like when when we cut back to Susan like halfway through the book okay. um after the manuscript was done I was like wait what <laughs> like I wanted it to you know keep going and <laughs> I, I felt like I had no connection with Susan like you know that she's reading this manuscript at the beginning and it's okay. like, wait, I don't want to go back to you. I want to keep reading the manuscript, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of, I, I enjoyed the manuscript more, but that's, that says something about the types okay. of, uh, you know, writing that we enjoy too. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. I, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that same interview right. that I yeah. was talking about, um, it was interesting because Horowitz was talking about um, how a good whodunit is kind of like magic and it's about um, misdirection, like, you know, trying to lead the reader away from what you, yeah. what it's going to be. So, yeah. That actually, yeah. So yeah, it's not that about actually what makes you've sense. seen, but about what you think you've seen. So he, um, he yeah. mentioned in that interview that from page one of the book, the killer was actually revealed. 
Now, I thought that was a little bit confusing because I didn't know if he was talking about page one of that quote-unquote real-life book or the manuscript. But did you notice that there was a page difference in the book? Uh, you know, I did. I, you I actually did that? notice. Yeah, it's so it starts with page one with Susan Ryland and her yeah. um, almost like a prologue to the manuscript. And then the manuscript starts mm-hmm. and you start all over again. And it's like, so he, he actually kept the, the manuscript page numbers separate from right. the quote unquote real book page numbers. And it's actually kind of confusing because by the time you get to the end of the book, you've read 400 some pages. But yeah. The number you're seeing is 200 something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a little bit confusing almost. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really interesting idea did, for him I mean, to do I mean, obviously he way. did it on purpose. But what do you think the message or meaning was behind that? Like, do you have any idea? I personally. I am wondering if yeah. he was trying to draw a line between the two and just to say this, yeah. this is supposedly the fiction here in the manuscript yeah. and this is supposed to be the real life. Well, after, but I don't know. What, what did you think? Kind of going back to the, um, like the quote that he, you know, when he talked about like being able to reveal the killer on the first page, that's what made me notice the pages because I was like, Oh, page one. So I went back to the Susan part, the beginning and I was like, well, it couldn't be this one. <laughs> and then I... Right, right. Yeah, because it doesn't say anything. Right. And There's then I went nothing there. Page <laughs> one, which was really page two of the manuscript starting. And I really couldn't find anything there either. So I was a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. If that, obviously, I it was intentional to break up the book i i think that's right what you're saying but i wonder if there was another clue there that maybe i just totally missed and well the thing is usually with a whodunit by the end it, once you've read the whole book you can go back yeah. and see all right. those clues and kind of revisit all of it and go oh i didn't notice that that yeah. was total that should have been so obvious i didn't see it when when i went back and looked at you know page one no. this kind of thing I didn't see anything. So, so unless I'm just totally dense, I just didn't see, I, I'm not sure if he was referring to something on maybe page one of yeah. how he wrote it on the computer or something. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't yeah. see it. So I thought so that So maybe if somebody's read it and. <laughs> yeah. Give us was, some I'm insight, not sure on that part. I don't know. Some guidance and direction. Um, Another thing that he talked about in that yeah. interview, sorry, I'm talking about the interview so much, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah. No, I, I love Anthony Horowitz. So <laughs> he's just an interesting yeah. uh, person okay. creatively to um, me. So he, go, yeah. Go uh, talked about the plot of this book and how it's inspired by the fact that um, Arthur Conan Doyle, who invented Sherlock Holmes, came to hate his character pretty much, but he was locked into it because everybody loved it. Everybody loved Sherlock Holmes. So um, you kind of saw a little bit of that in this book, too, where um, Alan Conway didn't want to write this kind of manuscript. You know, he didn't he didn't want to be tied down to Atticus Pound. He just he he wanted to write other genres and stuff. So um, 
I think he kind of took that idea and ran with it, which I thought was interesting because you, you don't really think about the author, um, their point of view of when they're writing the book, you just assume they want to write about it because they're writing about it. Yeah. You know? So. Right. I thought that was interesting too, because I I thought it was so strange. He, they when they talked to Melissa, his ex wife, she talked about how um, he wanted to write all these, you know, very you know literary fiction, mm-hmm. much more you know heady stuff, mm-hmm. and he wasn't getting anywhere. Nobody liked him. Nobody would buy it. So uh, or no one would publish it. So um, you know, his wife kind of helped him come up with this idea of doing a whodunit, and so he got really famous with that. But she talked mm-hmm. about how it wasn't enough for him to just yeah. be published. He wanted to be famous. And then as a result of being famous, he got locked into this genre and mm. this character that he yeah. couldn't stand. He was tired of it. And I just found it kind of hilarious because if he had just been happy <laughs> yeah. with being published, yeah, maybe he wouldn't have, you know, I, you kind of feel the same fate there um because he he yep. he had to be famous yep. it wasn't enough to just Shot get published you know foot, um so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and I love that it was that um you know in you said in the interview um yeah Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is kind of a nod to him and him, him yeah. wanting to kind of kill off Sherlock because he was tired of writing him um, and I, I, mm-hmm. I, I love, um, Sherlock Holmes. So I, I think it's funny too, because if you know a little bit about Anthony Horowitz, you know, that he's written two yeah. authorized Sir Arthur Conan Doyle books mm-hmm. that, I mean, they, they were authorized by the estate. So it's not just like he's writing fan fiction. The estate said, we want you to write another yeah. Sir yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes story. Mm-hmm. And he's written two of them. And they're my favorites of all the books he's written. Um, yep. He wrote The House of Silk and he wrote Moriarty. And yeah. I love both of them. Moriarty especially. Yeah. Um, just brilliant. I love them so much. But um, I just think that's so so interesting that he gave Uh-oh. a nod to that, which I don't know if right, I would have picked up right. on that if you hadn't yeah. seen that interview. So did you think that the motive for the murder was believable in the real life book of Magpie Murders? Uh, I kind of went back and forth. Yeah. On that. I, I would say, well, for one thing, when is murder ever believable? Mm. For me, it, it, it never makes sense logically. Yeah. Um, so I try to sort of put myself in another person's shoes and think, how yeah. could it could it get there? How could it get to a stage where literally I felt like my only option was hmm. to kill someone? And yeah. I just, it's so hard for me to comprehend that. So yeah. in my in one sense, no, it's just, ne- to me, murder is never believable. It just doesn't make sense. Hmm. Even though I understand that that, I'm not trying to say that I would be a, above that. I'm just saying to me, it, it never, it never yeah. really sense yeah Um, but on another level I was trying to think okay if my entire livelihood depended on it and my family was going to be you know you know hurting financially and not able to continue or this kind of thing and it still doesn't make sense to me I just I personally I I don't it it never it never really makes sense yeah Um, because it does seem like it was a logical thought through premeditated thing yeah oh yeah yeah 
he he meant to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's like one thing when somebody lashes out violently because they've made a uh-huh. habit of they've got a yeah. habit of lashing out in violence physically, and it ends up being something where they didn't know their own strength or something like that. That at least makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. But yeah. I really did not believe me. I like I I just was like that seems like the stupidest motive to me to murder somebody and it was so out of the blue. Like yeah. I okay, so here's a spoiler, right? Like I didn't understand why Charles even kept the manuscript or like what were you doing dude like (laughs) yeah pretty stupid for him to just keep it yeah like what is he doing I don't know and then I, I just felt like he seemed like a normal guy all the way through and what would make him jump to murder like they tried to make it sound like okay Alan Conway is not a good guy. Like, he wasn't, you know, stand up. Yeah. Like, people didn't really like him. And so maybe that was, like, part of, you know, oh, it's okay. (laughs) You know? I I don't know. But I just didn't, I didn't, when that part came and I was like, really? It's him? Yeah, I don't, I'm not feeling that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. yeah, especially since he was the one between the two of them, between Susan and he, he was the one who always worked with Conway. Yeah, yeah. Had a closer relationship. He, they were the ones who sat down and worked stuff out. And Susan was yeah. like, I don't like him. I don't really want to work with him. So he right. part and I'll be over here editing. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> just, yeah. it just. But yeah, maybe it, was it also says something to, you know, the breaking point of people how much can you take before you just absolutely lash out and like you know freak out about something yeah. I don't know I mean maybe he maybe he never liked him either but he just didn't say it and yeah somebody had to work with them because he was their bread and butter so I'll work with him because I have to he's yeah he's bringing he's bringing home the bacon for us mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah. Okay, I do have to bring this up though because I was so annoyed <laughs> at the at the end when she turned like they have this whole conversation about yeah I did do it and I'll give you time you know she's saying to him I'll give you time to you know make things right and then I'm turning you in <clears throat> and then she turns her back on him I was like what you have read murder mysteries for years and years and years you know what's gonna happen it's like it's like like what are you doing she she has been reading these books the you know and then she wants to become this real life you know sleuth yeah and and she turns her back on the killer it's like I thought it was I just I wanted to pull my hair out (laughs) you you thought it was funny oh my gosh I kind of thought it was funny because it sort of almost had a feel of like this is that classic 
horror yes. film moment when you're go you're yelling at the TV, don't go in the yes. basement. Don't yes. go down there. Why would you do it? Why? And uh-huh. <laughs> and I guess the exp- the only explanation is you never think you're in the horror film or you never mm. think that you're the one that's it, you know. Um but didn't she think I she know. I mean she took on this character pretty much of I'm gonna figure who did this and I you know and then she finally finds the murderer and maybe it was meant to be funny I don't know I totally missed it I wouldn't say I found it funny I found it ironic I wasn't literally laughing but it, it was almost humorous in the sense that like okay rookie move you know like yeah yeah what a you're right. <laughs> I actually pictured like um do you remember when we watched Silence of the Lambs at um what was it? Our sister Melissa's house. Do you remember this? It's been a long time ago, but I think I do. Oh, it was years and years and years ago. Yeah. I think it was Silence of the Lambs. And <laughs> oh no, it was the ring. <laughs> and our brother-in-law Mark yeah. do you remember this he got up and he's like no man no don't do it like he's screaming at the tv <laughs> i forgot about that oh my word oh. so every time yeah every time somebody's like yelling at the tv i think of mark i'm like yes why are they doing this so you know maybe he meant for it to be that way like you know I, I, is... I don't know, but that is funny. I totally forgot about that. It, what, yeah. You're right. It was the ring. And yes. he, he kept being like, oh, that's bad idea. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made the movie much more enjoyable because <laughs> he was our entertainment. But yeah. Yeah. So do you do you like this genre? Like have you read whodunits a lot what is your um, you know history I didn't, with that well I, di- I didn't read them growing up that I can recall um yeah. I think it's been more as an adult that I've gotten into it um I've read a little bit of Agatha Christie not a ton yeah um some of hers I really like and some of hers I really can't stand yeah so it's very um, love cool. it or yep yeah um, I love like I've mentioned I love um the Sherlock Holmes um mm-hmm. more so for the atmosphere than anything um and I do think there's with with Sherlock Holmes it had this sort of modern feel of you know using the scientific method to mm. you know to to using logic using you know instead of you know just kind of looking around yep. well I don't really see anything you know so right. so there was kind of that feel to it with Sherlock Holmes which I thought was sort of fun and interesting mm-hmm. so I've read um, you know, pretty much all the Sherlock Holmes. Um, but yeah, I, this is a unique book and it, it and is, it, it's a mystery within a mystery. And it, and it, for me, it almost pokes fun at them or, or, or at least calls attention to itself as a genre. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I did, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's, um, Anthony Horowitz is one of my favorites. Um, I also love, I love PD James. Yeah. Um, I love G.K. Chesterton, his Father Brown stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What like what is your genre? Well, I um, I've loved mysteries for a long time. Um, 
it's one of my favorite genres actually I love Mm. like classic whodunits but I I enjoy the modern thriller mysteries which I feel like is a a category of yeah almost a subset I would say yeah it's, it's it's not quite the same. It's a, it's different. A whodunit right. to me is pretty much the manuscript is almost yeah. a perfect example yeah. mm-hmm. of a straightforward, complete, you know, English manner, countryside, whatever, whodunit, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I do enjoy those as well. Like you said, Agatha Christie, oh, I've certainly. read yeah, sure. quite a few of hers. Um, uh, I consider those more kind of like a fun mystery read. Um, Definitely. like you don't have to put a lot of time and effort into thinking about it, but it's still, I know it's weird to say fun for like a murder mystery, but, yeah. but you know, it's just, it's more of a no brainer read, I guess. Um, but yeah. one of my favorites by her was, um, murder on the Orient Express. Um, yeah. but Love like <laughs> some, yeah, like some of the more, the modern thrillers, um, I've read like uh, In the Woods. Have you read that by Tana French? I yeah, I did enjoy that. Okay. One. Yeah. Uh Gone Girl, I would I would say yep. is in that category. Really uh nope. The Girl on the Train. Loved that one. That one I did not read. I oh, that's uh, yeah. That's a good one. I think you would enjoy that one. Um so yeah, those are kind of more up my alley, but um but I do I do really like it a classic whodunit yeah for sure so and Uh, that's probably why I like the manuscript better yeah and that makes sense and I love that genre too um I I really do one of my kind of newer finds in that category is Andrew Taylor Hmm. and I don't know if I had I've ever told you about him no he um he wrote a book that was a like short um sort of gothic tales almost that were kind of like in England and it was um I think it was called gothics to read by the fireside or something like that but it was very kind of kind of gothic slash whodunit Hmm. and um I've enjoyed a lot of his as well some of his kind of fall more under that psychological thriller too so yeah okay Um, I'll have to check that one out because it sounds interesting I do think there's something about murder mysteries and I don't know why they're so intriguing or why they're so popular. And the book actually talks about that at one point. It talks about why, Mm. why do you, why do we want this? Why do we want to read about people getting murdered? Why is that? a thing? I think it's actually the, isn't there a policeman character who. um, I don't remember this part. Okay. And um, it's, I don't remember the relationship, but there's a policeman character that Susan speaks with. And she's okay. trying to tell him that she thinks that Alan's been murdered. And he's trying to tell her that murder um, is generally a lot less pretty than it is in the books. And he's saying that it's not only that, it's also much less premeditated and just stupid and messy mm. and hmm. like senseless. And so it started me thinking and I really was kind of like, why do I like this? Is there something wrong with me? Like, why do I want to read about people getting murdered? But I don't know if it's so much about the murder itself as it is about that idea of looking around you going, it was someone here. And I think there's something about that, that, that I don't know. It it just, it's, it it gets, I think (laughs) who, who has a secret among us? And, yes. you know, and how deep 
does that secret go? I think that's what intrigues me. Like, yeah, you know, something that I, I have no idea if it's you or not, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I find so interesting and all the little details of, Oh, I should have seen that coming, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, I wish I, I had, picked up on that you know that's what intrigues me but I actually was listening yeah yeah I was listening to a a podcast um and one of the ladies on there mentioned a book and oh I wish I would have written it down I mean it's on my phone but I wish I would have written it down for this but um it is the whole science and logic behind why we especially as women are so obsessed with the idea of murder and like, you know, watching murder shows, Dateline, you know, all these yeah. different things. But it's definitely on my to read list because yeah, it is interesting. It <laughs> yeah. 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 I also thought it was interesting. Susan's speech at at the end. No, it wasn't a speech. I'm sorry. It was a kind of a monologue to herself as she was lying there and she was afraid that she was going to die because you know, she was in a burning building or what, I can't remember exactly the sequence, but, um, she's lying there and she looks up at Charles and she, she says that she saw the moment when he made the decision that he was going to kill her. And she said, it was like, it was like the light left his eyes or something along those lines. Like Mm. he was making this decision to part with humanity because in order to do something that evil, you have to kind of shut off your conscience and, you know, and I thought that was so interesting, just the way that, that Horowitz described that transition of, yeah, she could see when he made that decision to mm-hmm. what she called, like, basically part with humanity. Yeah. I just Spooky. thought that was really interesting. And I was like, it's so yeah. sad. It's when you actually think about it, but yeah. this person is so alone uh-huh. because they've decided not to behave as a human any longer so Um, dead in their in their sin like in you know whatever is taking over their mind at that moment that is more important than life right and they think they're making the decision but really they're enslaved yeah and I found that so interesting I was Uh like yeah it's true you know yeah um so yeah all right so you want to do ratings? Yeah, let's let's go ahead. Okay, so what would you rate Magpie Meadows? <laughs> so um, this is an interesting one because um, I, you know, the first time I read it, which has been a few years now, um, I probably would have given it a four or a five, but mm-hmm. for this read, I felt less engaged with it. Um, huh. And I wasn't, I wasn't quite as taken with it for some reason. Yeah. So I think I'm going to give it a middle of the road. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Um, yeah. Which would be, I just totally blanked on our rating system. Uh, um, eight o'clock. <laughs> eight o'clock. And eight o'clock. And eight o'clock. It's, yep. a, it's actually a really good book. It's a, it's a good mm-hmm. book. But it is. For me, yeah. Um, for me with this reading, I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an eight o'clock. Yeah. There's no shame. Yeah. There's no shame in an eight yeah. o'clock, you know? <laughs> hey, exactly. It's a good cop. <laughs> <laughs> I think you feel a little shame because it's Anthony Horowitz. 
I do. And I love <laughs> Anthony Horowitz. He's one of my favorites, but I know. And, and it's really, really just for this reading because yeah. originally I was just, I, I was, yeah, I think well, I was very taken with it. It's probably too, because you didn't realize when you first read it, that would be a mystery inside of a mystery, but now yeah, you knew now, all the secrets. You knew all of yes, the, I knew all the, de- all the secrets. I knew, details. I, I honestly didn't remember a lot of the details, but I knew the major kind of plot lines and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and I think that just, obviously that's going to spoil something in your reading yep. of it. Um, yeah. You know, when you first read it, it's so intriguing just in the format. Yeah. I will say the first time I read it, I did not, um, I, I did not read the first page where Susan sits down with the manuscript and I was so stinking confused when I first read it. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I, and, and then you were like, or someone in our book club was like, you gotta go back and read the first page. So I did and I felt so foolish, but I was like, well, that's. That might be a mistake that a lot of people make because, or maybe some people, because yeah. they give like a whole list of, um, of Atticus Poon books and they, you know, like, so it yeah. seems like it's actually starting the book when you start the manuscript, but really yes. no. <laughs> if you're, if you're used to skipping prologues yes. or skipping introductions I, or that yeah. kind of thing, then you might miss it. Yeah. I learned yeah. my lesson on that book. I, I do read. <laughs> that one's on yeah. you. <laughs> I, I read everything That's before. Funny. No, <laughs> I didn't used to, but I do not. Yeah. So I don't, I still don't read introductions though, because some, some of those have spoilers. Yeah. If it's from another author and it's a spoiler, well, I, I, I don't, I don't always yeah. read that, but yes, um, that one definitely you'll, you'll learn your mm-hmm. lesson if you don't read the prologue. On this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so okay, what 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 rating are you giving? I at? actually gave it an eight o'clock as well because I really? I know when you said that I was like, oh, we thought alike on this one. We actually came together <laughs> on this one. It's a it's an eight o'clock. No, <laughs> that's why I was like again this reading for yeah, me. <laughs> there's no there's no shame yeah. in an eight o'clock. Exactly, exactly. Um, I did really really enjoy it when I was reading it. Um, but there are so many little details in it that we actually didn't cover a lot of, you know, what yeah. Uh, yeah. we didn't go into a lot of it. Um, we kind of like did an overview, but I, I, here's the yep. thing. I definitely would recommend it. I thought it was a fun read. I thought it was interesting. I liked the book yeah. within a book, which I think that was probably my first time ever reading a book like that. Um, and that was fun, you know, that was interesting. Um, but the plot was almost too detailed for me. Like when it comes to like the, oh, what was it where he had to have all of his books line up and, um, algorithm. Yeah. Is that Uh, an anagram? Yeah. Like there's just so many small details like that where it's like, what? Like you're almost trying too hard, you know? But yep. um I I did enjoy it overall. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I would recommend it. Yeah. It is a fun. Yeah. It's, it's a, a fun, fun read. read. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree. So there you go. There's my <laughs> there's my rating. It, it <laughs> <is fun. laughs> 
Well, um, we're going to wrap this up here, but our next podcast comes out two weeks from today. And incidentally, we're pretty excited about the next couple of podcasts because we actually get to record them in the same room. So So (laughs) yay. (laughs) So exciting. Um, The next book is When Crickets Cry by Charles Martin. So you can find a link to the book as well as links to contact us, links to the dessert recipes, and more on our website, groundsfordiscussionpodcast.com. So thank you for joining us on Grounds for Discussion, where the coffee and the books are a perfect blend.